Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very, very honoured by your presence um, and I hope you are doing well wherever you are in the world. We just finished a series on the history of India, um, the Mughal rule, uh, the Savaji rule, uh, Delhi Sultanate, the invasions of the Ghaznavids, uh, Muhammad uh, Ghazni, uh, the Arab invasion. Basically we talked a lot about the Indian subcontinent and prior to that we talked about the Middle East. So we see feudalism, 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 monarchy, um, monarchy everywhere and feudalism and we have come to from we have come to who we are today through that journey. Um, as I like to say, the currents that form our waves. It's important to understand all these currents uh, because these currents uh, are all embedded in our, in our mindset, in our DNA, in our energy field. Anything that happens in your life, junction of life, uh, is embedded in your DNA and that continues and that is that you then take it with you into your life, into your next generation, you transfer it to your, your children, your children's children and cycle after cycle it just repeats itself. Um, the labels will change, but the mentality will not, because it's not the labels that define the mentality. It is the mentality that defines the label. It is the currents that form your waves. And at this junction in life, where yesterday we lost the, a tailor, uh, a family man, uh, to to gruesome uh, terror, um, an Islamic terror, it is still hard to swallow. It is very, very hard. Um, as much as we try to douse it, uh, the pain is there and there's no way around it. So the question all is on everyone's mind, what now? You see the political parties blame game going on. You see the media, it's absolutely low life as low life can get. And I'm sick of them, um, you know, um, playing the political card with this. It's someone's life in in, in the most gruesome ways. Um, and 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 we have to stop to take a minute and and just breathe. Breathe and, and, and condole and reconcile with the family, send our energy, send our positive energy to them. But um, it's it's not been easy. Typical Indian subcontinent, there's and everywhere in the world, we're just blaming everyone as much as possible. Um, without it taking without uh, some hardcore knowledge um, to it. And I always say, um, you know, they say, oh, it's the Congress, the BJP, it's the Congress, the BJP. But go to the beach, go see the currents, look, look at the waves, what you see. You see waves. What's forming the waves? The currents. Do the currents stop? No. Do the, do the um, waves stop? No. It's continuous. The waves will continue. The currents are continuous. It doesn't stop. That's who we are. So it's not violence is not going to stop. It's there will always be violence at the bottom of the cycle. And we are all cyclic. We always reach the bottom of the cycle every day, every bi-weekly cycle, every every trimestral cycle. There's always, we always reach the bottom and we rise up. But 
if we do not offload the data uh, when we are at the ro at rock bottom, because we accumulate data that's in uh, in our in our cycle embedded into our DNA, and we don't offload it like a computer. We offload the memory. Uh, we are not going to change. We are going to carry it on like the ocean. If you dump garbage in the ocean, uh, this the um, the ocean will, will spit out the garbage on the beaches of the planet. But if you don't clean the beaches, it'll take the garbage back and it'll kill more animals, sea life, plant life, and it'll bring the same garbage back out in, in, in return um, on the beach. And it'll never end. So you have to throw out that garbage. And what is that garbage? That's all that's embedded in your in your psychic in your dna and we don't take that out we don't offload every single label every single layer upon layer every single junction we make into an intellectual laboratory we use the knowledge to understand the cycles not the labels we'll see the cycles repeat itself junction after junction we're not going to change at all and i always use this um this story uh, 5,000 years ago during the, um, during Lord Ram, Ramayan and, and the Mahabharat, sorry, I apologize, not Ram, uh, the Mahabharat, the war was, uh, there was a war in Kurukshetra. Um, Kurukshetra is modern day Haryana. Okay, it's on the border of India and Pakistan, which at one time was the Indus Valley civilization. Okay. So 5,000 years ago, there was this huge war at, at, uh, at Kurukshetra, and we call it the Holy War. Okay, uh, 5,000 years later, we're still fighting. The labels have changed, but the mentality has not, because it's not the labels that define the mentality. It is the mentality that defines the label. It's the currents that form your waves. It's not the waves that form the currents. So one by one by one, if you understand those currents have come down to your generation, you will understand that we're exactly the same. We're doing exactly the same things as our ancestors. It's just a perception of our mind that labels have changed, but we're still the same people. And we have to spit out this, uh, this knowledge that we've accumulated, plus, minus, negative, positives, positive and rebrand, re restart, re-energize re ourselves, um, heal and, and go onwards. Um, I was listening to a, a documentary today on Native American people and one of the ladies, they're very smart lady who was a native from California, she was talking about the native culture, uh, about being part of the land and the spirits and the healing that the land produces. And she says, water is the blood of the, of the planet. Um, we have uh, how our blood flows. Uh, the planet's blood is, is water, is the seas. And if we don't understand the seas, we don't, we don't surf with the seas. We don't treat the seas correctly, the rivers, the water. We don't treat it correctly. Uh, we're not going to heal and we're going to die. The planet's going to die. Um, and, and we are going to die with it. So it is important to understand the water of the planet, how it can heal, how, how the energy cycles of the waters uh, take place, uh, roll, and how these currents 
are actually who we are. So when we, we die, we are uh, cremated or we go to the ground, we are buried in the ground, our bodies are made out of water, the water it then sinks to the levels, the layers of mud and joins the aquifers below. These aquifers then go into the ocean and that ocean and is and it joins the waters of, of the oceans and that ocean's us. Those are our... our, 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 our that ocean is actually us, our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors. That's, that water is us. We are the water. And that water then again comes back into the land, to the aquifers. It'll, 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 uh, it will nourish the, the, the plant life. The plant life will then grow and those crops from the plant life will then feed, uh, will be used for food and will feed us. And we are being regenerated with that food. We are, we live, we eat, uh, and we are born. And, and with that food, we grow up, and then we are born again. And the cycle continues. So we are, at the end of the day, water. And that water is the blood in our body. Uh, it's the blood of the planet, and we are, we are that water. So it's important to understand the cycles, the currents and waves, the layers and the Atwa, all that lies in between, and that's from where you get the word Hindutva, the currents that form the waves that is Hindustan. Hind comes from the word Sin, which means water or bodies of water, and with those bodies of water um, that surrounds the land that is Bharat or Hindustan, we get Hindustan. So we're going to just continue and un try and understand uh, a little bit... Uh, towards the end of, of, of the journey of independence and how it all came to a close. And um, I, will, I will use a, a chapter from Maulana Alam, uh, Abdul Kalam Azad's book, uh, India Wins Freedom, um, chapter, num chapter end of the dream, he says. Uh, but his dream, uh, not the dream for the rest of us. Uh, we continue. And I will go to page 214, and I, and I wish that you would uh, join me in, in buying the book. Uh, it's a great book. It's on Amazon. You can buy it. So he says, the All India uh, Congress Committee met on the 14th of June, 1947. I have attended many meetings of the AICC, but this one was the strangest sessions, one of the strangest sessions that is my misfortune to attend. Congress, which had always fought for the unity and independence of India, was now considering an official resolution for dividing the country. Pandit Govind uh, Pant um, moved the resolution and after Sardar Patel and Jawaharlal spoke about on it, Gandhiji had to intervene. It was impossible for me to tolerate this abject surrender on the part of the Congress. In my speech, I clearly said the decision which the Working Committee had reached was the result of an unfortunate development. Partition was a tragedy for India, and the only thing that could be said in its favor was that we had done our best to avoid division, but we had failed. Now there is no alternative, and we want, wanted freedom here now. We must admit to the demand of dividing India. We must, however, not forget that the nation is one and its cultural life is and will remain one. Politically, we have failed and were therefore dividing the country. We should accept our defeat, but we should at the same time try to ensure that our culture was not divided. If we put a stick in the water, it may appear that the water has been divided, but the water remains the same and the moment the stick is removed, even the appearance of the division disappears. 
Uh, I couldn't have said it better, and this is Maulana Abdul Kalam Azad. Sardar Patel did not like my speech. He spent almost the whole of his speech trying to refute what I said. He argued the, the resolution for division did not arise on weakness or compulsion, but it was only tr the true solution in the existing circumstances of India. There are elements of comedy even in the midst of the great tragedy. There have been in the Congress a group who have posed as nationalist, but are in fact utterly communal in their outlook. They have always argued that India was not unified uh, a culture and, and held that whatever Congress may say, the social life of Hindus and Muslims were entirely different. Perhaps the most vocal of these groups uh, were, were conservatives of conservatives were Sri Purshottam Das Tandon. It was surprising to find that he suddenly appeared on a platform at the greatest, as the greatest of upholder of Indian unity. Sri Tandon almost sorry, opposed the resolution vehemently and, and the ground he gave was that the cultural and national life of India should not be divided. I agree with what he's saying. I had no doubt that what he that what he now said was true. I could not, however, forget that he and his colleagues had all their life opposed such a view. It was strange that they would not, uh, they would now at 11 hour raise the cry for an undivided India. After the first day debate, uh, there were strong feelings against the working committee re resolution. Neither Pandit Pant, Persuvness, nor Sardar Patel, eloquence had been able to persuade the people to accept this resolution. How could they when it it was in sense a complete denial of what the Congress had said it in its exception. It therefore became necessary for uh, Gandhiji to intervene in the debate. He appealed to the members to support the Congress Working Committee. He added that he always opposed partition and no one could deny this fact. He however felt, felt that a situation had, not, had now been created when there was no alternative. Political realism demanded that the acceptance of the Mountbatten plan, he would appeal to the members to accept the resolution moved by Pandit Pant. When the resolution was put to vote, 29 voted for it and 15 against. Even Gandhiji's appeal could not persuade the members to vote for the partition of the country. The resolution was no doubt passed but was but was the condition what was it the condition of the people's mind? All hearts were heavy at the idea of partition. Hardly anyone could accept the resolution without mental reservations. Even though we accepted partition had all had all their feelings against it. This was bad enough. What was worse was worse was the kind of in, insidious communal propaganda which was gaining ground. It was being openly said in Congress circles that Hindus in Pakistan need not have fears as they were they would be four and a half crores of Muslims in India. And if there was any oppression of the Hindus in Pakistan, the Muslims in in India would have to bear the consequences. My dear friend, I'm going to take a pause at this. Um, this was the insidious, and I say insidious, suggestion of the Indian National Congress. And this was the platform uh, behind the CAA that they, because... Um, they made this resolution in, uh, in, in the working committee in 1947, where if the Muslims did anything to, uh, to the Hindus in, in Pakistan, uh, then the Muslims would be killed. And, and 
what they didn't understand is that we are a freak we are frequencies we're frequencies we go in either direction so you do, you do something in one direction it, the the pendulum is going to swing the other direction and it it's not uh, uh, it's it, it's not intellectually intelligent to even do something like that because it's not what we say we are an energy field and the energy field works in in frequencies and you have frequencies going in either direction so this is not going to work unfortunately pakistan has rid itself of its minorities there's only about one or two percent and these minorities and I'm talking of non-muslims uh, they were they have been abandoned um, uh, caused they've been killed raped forced conversions and as a result of which we no one was looking after them in the entire planet no one is looking after the minorities of of pakistan on both flanks even bangladesh and as a result of which they had to bring in the ca rule uh which of course everyone said was anti-muslim but uh that's a whole different story we'll go there another day and look uh they didn't have a choice. Uh, the BJP did not have a choice. They had to do it because of this stupid law um, um, in in made by the Indian National Congress. And there was, you know, a, a Muslim could go anywhere, but a, a Hindu can't go from from Pakistan. They're not going to go from Pakistan to anywhere. They can. They can't even afford it. They've been marginalized. And and here we go. So. Uh, in the meeting of the AICC, the members from SIN opposed the resolution vehemently. They were all given all kinds of insurances. Um, they were, um, though not on public platforms, in private discussions, and were told that if they suffered any dis disability and indignity in Pakistan, India would retaliate with the Muslims in India. When I first became aware of this suggestion, I was shocked. I immediately saw that this was a dangerous sentiment and could not and and could have the most unfortunate and f far-reaching repercussions. It implied that partition was being accepted on the basis that in both India and Pakistan there would be hostages who would be held responsible for the security of the minority community in the state. Hostages. That's exactly what happened. Um, Maulana Kalamazad was right, um, and and no one listened to him. He was literally the last man standing because he did, he was the last man who. Who, who who did not give in to to partition um, the idea of re retaliation as a method of assuring the rights of minorities seemed to be barbarous later events proved how justified my apprehensions were the river of blood which flowed after partition on both sides of the new frontier grew out of the sentiment of hostages and retaliation some members of the Congress realized how dangerous such theories were. I remember in particular Kiran uh, Shankar Roy, one of the Congress leaders of Bengal, who, were, who first brought this to my notice. He spoke to Acharya Kirpalani Kirpal, uh, Kirpal, that it was the most dangerous theory. One, of, one such feeling was allowed to grow. It would lead to oppression and murder of Hindus in Pakistan and Muslims in India. Nobody, however, paid the attention to Roy. In fact, many ridiculed him for his fears. They also told him that one, once Hindu India was divided, we must accept the theory of hostages. Uh, they argued that it was only in this way that the Hindus of Pakistan could be protected. K.S. Roy was not convinced and he 
came to me almost in tears. He never accepted the, insur- the assurances while some of the Congress leaders had held out that he lived to see the fulfillment of his worst fears. Um, this, my dear friend, was the Congress hypocrisy of the 1940s. An absolute... Uh, I don't even know. I don't have a word for it. When I first read this, I, I was flabbergasted. Um it's stupid to even have thought of this. Uh, but apparently that was what it was. And, and the CAA uh, had to come in and fill in the gaps. And that's why the CAA was bought in. When every single one on the planet b- uh, blamed the, the Hindu, blamed the BJP for being fascist. And oh, uh, fascist, fascist. But, you know, typical. I don't see why they even bothered about India. They, they don't have, it's none of their business to be bothered about India. But you know, they're not even Indian, but yeah, they have to, because India is rising, India is doing what it should do, slowly by slowly, we, we're, we're, we're cleaning up the dirt, and the BJP is this transition movement from colonialism, colonial hangovers, uh, by these two, last two colonial empires, and um, now rebranded as religions, and uh, now, again, they are going in the, uh, they're cleaning up, but the Congress doesn't want to clean up, because this is all their dirt, and very clearly they're painting the picture of the BJP, but this is their dirt, and the CA was made to bring in and follow that gap. So uh, it is just to say that um, all these years uh, the Congress pretended to be uh, unity, 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 secular. It was never secular. It was never about unity. They failed in every single way, uh, and I'm ashamed to have ever voted for them. Um, look, um, they started off with, uh, it started off, this journey started off with separate electorates, uh, in the 1800s, um, at the end of the, of the, of the 19th century, that led to, uh, separate electorates being asked by many communities and representatives, uh, representation, uh, in separate electorates, uh, for jobs. This was only for jobs and for representation. Of course, I don't see why people need separate electorates. I mean, um, you know, if I'm walking on the street, I'm not, I, I'm not saying, okay, this part is for me and this part is for you. I'm just walking on the street. When I drink my water, it's the same water. It's the same food. Why do you need separate electorates? It's just about power because the people who, who get power also get a lot of money and, uh, subsidies to keep these ghettos in place, to keep these, uh, these, um, these islands of culture, um, and, and otherwise known as ghettos in place. And if they didn't have this money, they didn't have the power, they'd have nothing to do. So they wanted power, basically, in order to hold on to their um, human capital and, their, and, the, and the land. And this became ghettos, uh, and this led to um, Jinnah, um, this led to people in, in the subcontinent um, forming these turfs. We already had zamindars with their turf wars. That was already going on behind the scenes. Uh, it had not stopped. And on top of that, now we have new types of uh, of ghettos and, and turfs, ideological ghettos and turfs, and this was separate electorates. And from there onwards, when Jinnah for, did not like Mahatma Gandhi and Nehru, and he didn't like them at all, he was opposed to them, This these 
mental and emotional and ideological ghettos and turf war became turf wars and these turf wars then became the partition of India and Pakistan or India into two pa uh, India and Pakistan and this is still going on till today so it has not subsided okay all this polarization was not subsided uh, Jinnah accused the Indi India and the Hindus of caste 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 the, of, of the Congress being the the um, uh, Congress was accused of being fascist uh, Mahatma Gandhi was accused of being Hitler um, and and the Congress replicated they did not take two steps back and say okay can we introspect can we what do we do wrong uh, they had meetings but the meetings were always the same story the bottom line was they never got along these people uh, when you have a cycle you have a circle you have 360 degrees so everyone's not going to agree so they never agreed with each other that animosity between two groups of people led to a separation uh, led, led to anger economically um, uh, the Nehru's, uh, Nehru became uh, socialist and there was a left socialist wing in the Indian National Congress uh, and we know that uh, um, Jinnah wanted free market economy but both of them could not do anything because they were both financed by this big industrialist so they knew they were uh, Jinnah was financed by um, Jinnah was financed by the big landlords of the time, Muslim landlords, uh, and we had we had Nehru who was financed by the big industrialist uh, Birla and, and and company, and they could not really do anything. They were just giving their rhetoric. So this was a perception of their mind, a perception given to people of that time, and that narrative, that perception has not subsided at all. It went into uh, to, to the back door slowly. It it went out of of public sight uh, because. Uh, because uh, Nehru and uh, made India into a socialist state, should I say, it came later on, but basically a license Raj, where the media and the academia was controlled by the state, and uh, we really didn't go anywhere with it. We went downhill from there. And behind the scenes, okay, uh, we have absolutely done exactly the same thing. The, the polarization has continued in our homes, in our mosques, in our churches, in our school, but I wouldn't say schools, not in my school, but the polarization has continued in our homes. Um, in every home, there's a type of polarization. Uh, and what happens in your homes will transfer to the streets. What happens to the streets will transfer to your borders. It doesn't start at the borders. It doesn't start in your streets. It starts in your homes. And it unfortunately has never stopped, never subsided because we did not address the problem. We let it go. We just pretended, put a band-aid on top of it, pretended it was not there. And now it's come up resurfaced, but it's, it's a current and a wave. You can't stop a current and you can't stop a wave. So political blame game is not going to happen. In every single home, this has got to stop and we need to understand the currents that form our waves. Um, Basically, that's it. So my my duty here to say is to say, how do we stop this? Because we know uh, how do we stop this war that's going on in our streets? How do we stop the narrative? How do we clean uh, cleanse our minds? And how do we heal? And how do we get this country back? 
the main country is is controlled by the grassroots. It's not controlled at the, at the helm of power. It's controlled at the grassroots level. And the people controlling the grassroots are these mullahs, tullahs, padres, and pandits. Okay, let's get that straight. We are not free to be who we want. Uh, every community is controlled by the orthodoxy. Uh, that means the religious people. They are not. We are not free to be who choose what we want to be. Our morals are 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 controlled. Our life is controlled. We are. Um, they micromanage our lives from birth to death. These people, um, and that's why their narrative is all about power because they are relics of empires. Then they no longer worth. They don't have any worth. So they're complete relics of colonial empires. These mullahs, tullahs, padres, and pundits. And until they don't do not stop. Uh, the violence is going to continue because each one wants to hold on to their human capital. Every time they hold on to their human capital, they get money and subsidies from the state. And these separate electorates keep going on. Today, they're not separate electorates. Well, they are in a, in a, in a way. They, they are, they've rebranded it as minorities and majorities. And then they have rebranded and we have turf wars. You see all the violence going on in the streets. Um, and uh, during the Ram Navni violence, uh, what was that? That was turf wars. Uh, there were turf wars during politically, turf wars during Indian independence. There was turf wars uh, during um, the Zamindar system, the Mughal system, the Jagidari system. Each one comes with their goons and with their private army, and and you get this. So. Really, we say, oh, well, the BJP has done it. It's not the BJP. It's it's a current and a wave that continuously takes place until this cosmos uh, is, is, existence, is existent. And because of that, uh, we refuse to address it because we've put the, the religious um, label on it. And we refuse to address it. But these are turf wars that have gone on. And these are just... Uh, currents and waves, we need to understand and address it. And there's no way we're going to address it until these goons that call themselves the religious uh, orthodoxy um, are out of the picture. So I will explain to you what I'm talking about. Uh, in Christianity, as an ex-Christian, we know that Christianity was not no different than Islam. Um, it was it was as bad and um, pretty much in Europe, but now Christianity is slowly dying away in Europe and, and people, Europe has become agnostic, they're not Christian anymore, basically. Well, they're culturally Christian, but in reality they are, um, they're very agnostic. But why? Did the church change? People change, people say that the church went to reformation. No, the church did not go to reformation, I'm very sorry. The church is exactly the same as before, the different denominations. The orthodoxy are the same. The, um, the theology is the same. The only thing that has changed is the people have changed. We, the people, have changed and we refuse to, to, to go back to church. Uh, and so that's why the religion had to change. They had to update. They had to move on. But until they moved on, they would. Um, if if they had not moved on, then the church would have died. So they had to move on. We we moved on. The church had to keep up with us, and that's why. Um, the church had to change, uh, but in reality, if you give them one one matchstick to go back, they'll be on that matchstick as soon as possible because uh, they literally want totalitarian power, and they always ask you to respect them. Respect is submission and silence to the rhetoric. Uh, basically, they want you to be slaves. It's the modern way of saying slavery, basically. That's it. Um, 
having said that, so how do we change? How did it change in Europe? Okay, they stopped putting money in the boxes of the churches. As simple as that. They stopped putting money in the boxes of the churches. So if we want this to change, the people controlling our minds and micromanaging our lives and the grassroots of India are these theologians. So the only way to go about this and change and, and change for everyone, not just, oh, well, the Muslims, not just the Hindus, everyone, okay, across the board. We have to stop putting money in the hands of these theologians. So when you go to church, you go to the mosque, uh, you know, don't put money. You go to the temple, don't put money. Uh, Gurubhara, don't put money. Now, you could say, well, why a temple? The problem is not the temple. Here's the, here's the thing. Even the temples, if you put money, it's going to the government. The government is using it for all the stupid reasons to give it back to the madrasas and things like that. And God knows where this money is going. The temple is not giving getting the money. Uh, no one's getting the money. It's just being used. So why are we putting money in the temples? No, no money in the temples, no giving money to their charities, no giving money to their, um, in their boxes, no giving money to, um, to their halal food, uh, special foods, holy foods, not interested. You can go and buy flowers from the shopkeepers outside. You can go and buy sweets from the shopkeepers. Uh, but anything that's religious, uh, and is directly going to the uh, establishment. That means not the Mr. and Mrs., the poor people on the sides who sell uh, toys, who sell religious stuff to, to earn a living and put food on their table. Look, uh, I'm talking about the establishment. That means actually going into the church, the temples, the mosques, the virus. Stop putting money into their hands. The moment they see you stop putting money and the money goes, they have no power. They have no power means they have no votes. And no votes mean they cannot control your mind. So if you want to change the situation in India and, and, and do justice to uh, the tailor who died, I am asking you and spread the word. Speak to your friends. Speak to your families. At least five to ten people. Spread the message. Stop putting money in the hands of these religious people. The religious establishment. No church. No, uh, you can go and pray and no one's stopping you to pray. Do not put money. That's all. No money into the churches, into the priests, for the priests, the padres, the pundit, um, uh, the mullahs, the tullahs, uh, until there is, um, until they lose power. And there is a curriculum to, to control these people. There is a way to control these people because these people behind their back, our backs, they are instigating us lock, stock and barrel. Uh, absolutely instigating us. Every day from the time we are born, we are told to submit and we're told to basically trash talk the other side. It's okay, they say, trash talk the other side. I mean, they don't say it, but it's it's implied. So you, we, uh, we at home and we'll spit on the Hindus, we'll spit on the Muslims, the Muslims will spit on someone else. But this trash talk, then trash goes onto the streets. Uh, and so until you stop giving money um, to these people, um, you're not going to go anywhere. And, and for that to happen, the whole country has to mobilize and say, no, we're not putting money into the hands of, of these people, of this orthodoxy. Um, and there has to be a national curriculum in order for them to, to be a orthodoxy in the future because it's not going to work otherwise. They, they say what they want, they do what they want, they pitch uh, at each one, 
um, they trash talk and they use you to brainwash you as their mob and then pretend that they, oh no, we do not uh, kill, we do not support killing. But yes, of course, everyone does. And everyone, no one respects each other's religions, okay? Because we know that these are not religions. No one, no one appreciates. So instead of being a hypocrite and saying, you know, uh, yes, I respect your religion. No, you say right off the bat, I don't respect religion and I'm not giving you money any anymore. Once you do that, you'll be free. Believe me, it'll take a little while, a couple of years, but go at it. So no more money for these theologians. Uh, the government has to have a regulation or curriculum in order for them to be uh, accredited. Uh, the media has to be uh, just, media has to be, be curtailed, not curtailed, but uh, the media has to be, um, um, what can I say? I've lost the word. Um, have certain licenses to say things and and not say things. Uh, just like the just like the orthodox, they they have to have a curriculum. They can't say what they want because right now it's a shouting match, and it's only us versus them. It's disgusting. There's nothing to watch on TV. It's really a crap show. Um, and I'm not even talking about TV because I don't have any TV. I just watch it on the internet. So that's got to change, my friends. And it's very important to understand that. Uh, and then once that is done and the curriculum is put in to manage these orthodoxies and manage uh, the, the media as to what they say, it is important also to understand it's time for us to open every single monument on the Indian subcontinent, every single monument. Uh, analyze it, work it, um, find out who it is so that no one can take these. The, this is a heritage for the entire country and not just one group of people. And with that, we will heal with the with the constructions of our ancestors because these really these monuments do not belong to these religions. They actually belong to our ancestors who were slaves and who did this build these massive, massive monuments and these architectural marvels. So it is important to say that until we, in order for us to heal, we have to open every single one of these temples and gurudwaras and in the ancient of the most ancient anyone anything from 1947 upwards uh, so that we can uh, we can all together heal with the journey of our ancestors and no one will be able to play us versus them again um, we have to stop putting money in the hands of these uh, these these religious people that means churches uh, temples uh, mosques gurudwaras anything uh, just stop putting money into their hands and you see it'll it'll really really change and pretty fast a couple of years a decade down the line th There won't be any it will be agnostic like uh, like Europe, so it's important to understand that so I will take your leave for now um, I thank you for your time. This has been a very short podcast compared to my other podcast the last couple of days uh, Do buy the books do read spread the message Please, please talk to your friends. It's important to heal, important to offload the data, and we can all work this together so that we can be a better people. India could be uh, a better country. Uh, the, the colonial hangover can, can get over and not be rebranded into religions again. And from there onwards, um, we'll have a better life. And hopefully, um, our ancestors will look upon us and guide us on this journey upwards uh, to, to to resurrect uh, our soul and the, and the soul of the Indian subcontinent. So thank you once again. I thank you for your time. I wish you peace, uh, no violence, 
It's your currents that form the waves, atwa, all that lies in between. And we need to heal, my friends. Healing is the most important thing with knowledge. Thank you and good night.